Everything is inspired by the teachings of Divine Grace, A.C. Hakimdanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder of Charity of the International Society of Krishna Consciousness. Oh my our topic today is when fatigue sets in. We all have the experience, don't we, in life of getting tired, bone weary, exhausted, tired of studying in school, tired of running a business. Tired of keeping the peace in the family. Tired of dealing with a health issue. Tired of being lonely and waiting to meet the right person. Even if you're lucky enough to be doing what you love, what your passion is, you have a supportive wife, you have good children, a good job. Still, if you're not careful, you can lose your passion and allow weariness to set in. I just went down to Los Angeles this past weekend. I was telling you I had to deliver. We wholesale colors, and so there was some colors that had to be on a boat to Tahiti for a color on they're having there in May. I dropped those off in Carson, and then I had another 13 boxes to drop to some students at UCSD. Between Carson and San Diego, the first of four traffic jams, just internally, hour after hour after hour on I-5 South. Hitting the throttle, hitting the brake, hitting the throttle, hitting the brake, to the point where you actually, if I have to touch the brake one more time, I'm going to throw up. I can't do this anymore. God has arranged end time and everything. Eventually the traffic broke up. I spent a couple of hours at a rest stop until the flow of the traffic got noticeably faster. Made it down to UCSD, dropped the boxes off, and I said, okay, I'm going home now. It was yesterday evening, started up the... I-15 in between San Diego and Hemet, another huge traffic jam. At least an hour and a half, barely moving, going forward and forward and forward. Everybody's been in traffic, right? You have that feeling, I can't stand this, I'm gonna go crazy, I'm gonna go nuts. But this is the second traffic jam. Eventually the traffic loosens up, it's getting to be dusk, and I'm going up the El Cajon Pass, past Rancho Cucamonga and San Bernardino, and another traffic jam. And if you've ever been on El Cajon Pass at night, there's nothing more discouraging than being at the bottom of the El Cajon Pass and literally seeing all the way up, nothing but headlights, not one of which is moving an inch forward. You think, oh my God, not one, not two, but three. But finally, I got through, got up, Adelante, Hesperian, Victorville, Barstow, just humming along, humming along, humming along. Guess what? Anyone know where Littlefield, Utah is? <laughs> Littlefield, Utah? It's just before you go up the Virgin River Gorge, 20 miles south of the Utah border, south, 20 miles south of St. George. Huge traffic jam. And the interesting thing was when I went to LA on Thursday, that same traffic jam was there. I was driving south. It was like 30 miles of traffic backed up and there was a semi-trailer that had flipped. And I was thinking on Thursday, man, I'm glad I'm not going north today. Well, my karma was that going north four days later, the same 30-mile traffic jam as the semi-trailer's long gone. There doesn't seem to be any road construction going on whatsoever or any reason for it. But there's a 30-mile backup. Took me about three hours of sitting in traffic. 
And I had this feeling, not once, not twice, not three, not four times, of just being sick and tired to death of sitting in one place. Why is it taking so long? Why is it more difficult? I had no idea. So our question today is, what do you do when the race, the ordeal, is longer and harder than you thought? Maybe you've prayed, you've hoped, you've put your faith out there, but you still haven't gotten out of death. You still haven't met the right person. You still don't have the job that features, features your skills. The traffic is still not moving. Your ministry is still not taking off. Weariness is another way of saying you lose your joy, you lose your zest, you lose your gusto, you don't feel the pleasure that you once felt. Sometimes in our movement, and I'm sure this is the same in the Mormons and the Catholics, you see a brand new person who's in the services and they're singing the hymns or they're doing the kirtan at the top of their lungs. If they're in the Christian temple, they may also be dancing up and down, up and down dramatically. And you've been practicing Christian consciousness and Mormonism or Catholicism or Southern Baptism for 20 years and you think, what's he so excited about? What happened? That was you 20 years ago. What happened? Uh, what happened is, Maya, the illusory energy word, is very, very strong. You have to be persistent in your practice, and you have to be patient. When we had the Festival of Colors, we had Christians out on the roadway, as they always do, passing out flyers about what they believe. They, they believe Christ is the one, the only true God, and they believe that we're heathens and pagans, and they weren't shy about telling anybody any of that. Can I tell you, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what you believe. What matters is what you practice. Because what you practice, what you do every day, your patterns of behavior are going to make you the kind of person that you are. Now, our fundamental practice is chanting the names of the Lord. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. The Bible also says, pray without ceasing. Those who say the name of the Lord repetitively, consistently, they will be saved. Wherever there are two or three gathered together in my name, I am also there. Belief doesn't matter. What makes you what you are and who you are is your practice. You can have all the beliefs in the world, but if you're just like everybody else, you do the same things, read the same books, go to the same movies, have the same values, get the same frustrations as everybody else, then all the beliefs in the world aren't going to do you a bit of good. It's practice that makes the difference. And that practice is known as yoga. Imagine you're a leaf. The leaf is meant to be yoked to the tree, isn't it? When the leaf is yoked to the tree, it's green, it's vibrant, it's smooth, it's silky, it's full of nourishment. But when the leaf is unyoked, when the leaf is detached from the tree, it's yellow, withered, papery, and absolutely useless. So yoga means by practice, to be always in touch with the name of God. And God and His name are known different, being absolute. There's no difference between God or any one of His bona fide names. When you chant Krishna, Allah, or Govinda, or Emmanuel, or Yahweh, God is personally dancing on the tip of your tongue. So when you become slack, and when you take your practices for granted, 
then it's entirely possible that you start to lose your enthusiasm for God-centered consciousness. You become tempted to do less and less, to pay less diligence to your practice, to pay less attention to it. You back off from pursuing your dreams. You stop growing. You start stretching. And that's, ladies and gentlemen, when weariness sets in. And that was the hair of a lady. She was told she had to go through yet another bout of chemotherapy. She said, I don't think I can do this for another six months. And what do we learn? That on the way to our victory, we will always face what's called the weariness test. There will always be a point, and it's never in the beginning. It's always towards the end. It's always when you're near your breakthrough, there'll be the temptation to cease and desist in the pursuit of your degree, of your health, of the restoration of your marriage, the restoration of your kids, the foundation of that new temple. The test always comes at the end. It never comes at the beginning when you're fresh and you're diligent, regular, and you're attentive. Now this is a story we get from a Christian book about a king named Jarasandra. He was so powerful that he had defeated over 20,000 other kings in combat and thrown them into prison. A Krishna king, he defeated Jarasandra and he rescued these kings. These kings had been held in underground dungeons, subsisting on food and water without any shower or change of clothes for months and months. He couldn't imagine a bunch of people more dull and depressed and lackluster. But when they emerged from the subterranean dungeons, granted, they appeared shadowly dressed, they appeared malnourished, they appeared depressed, emaciated by hunger, their faces dried up, weakened by their long imprisonment. But as soon as they saw Krishna, the sight of Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead, the original spiritual person from which all of the living beings come, that immediately dispelled all of their weariness dispelled the tiredness and fatigue of their having been imprisoned for a long period of time. It took nothing more than reconnecting, yoking up again through the eyes with this resplendent sight of Krishna. That's all it took to refresh them. At that time, they joined their palms together and worshipped Lord Krishna with exceptional words of poetry. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Like with these kings, a long protracted time of suppression and submersion, malnutrition was counteracted almost momentarily by connecting with the Supreme Personality of God and the Supreme Spirit. Any contact with God, doesn't matter how dark, how depressed, how prolonged, a contact with God immediately perks one up. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Here's a phrase. If you want to write this down and remember it, it's kind of cute. Praise will push you past weariness and propel you to new heights. Praise will push you past weariness and propel you to new heights. I've heard it said, never grow weary in doing what's right. Our energy may have its limits, but if you're right in the middle of what God's plan for your life is, when your energy leaves off, what happens? 
That's when God's energy begins. One problem we almost have, even those of us who are, or maybe even especially those of us who are trying to be God consciousness, is we've done some service, we've worked for the Relief Society, we've done some volunteer work, we're getting a little tired, and our body's telling us you've done enough. You've given God his share, now you are entitled to a break, you are entitled to some time off. You're entitled to kick back, read a book, watch a movie. You've done 15 minutes of service of God, and now you're entitled to two hours of watching TV. Or I gave God Sunday. I gave God two hours on Sunday. Now the rest of the week is for my recuperation. <laughs> Prophet says here, the difference between material service and spiritual service should be materially, when a man becomes tired by rendering service in his physical body, he is allowed retirement. What was the country? France. I think they're, they're up in arms and marching in the street because they wanted to push back the retirement age. People are insisting, I don't want to work past 65. I hate it. I'm weary. I want you. The government's being overthrown because they want people to work for a couple of more years. <laughs> so Prophet says prophetically, when a man becomes tired by rendering service in his physical body, he's allowed to retire. But in the transcendental service, there's no feeling of fatigue because it is spiritual service that is not in the bodily plane. Now, I'm 76 years old. I should be retired. I should be weary. I should be fed up. But if you happen to be here last Saturday at the Color Fest, you saw Cheru, the oldest living rapper. Kind of was action, reaction, sow the seed, you face the deed, whatever you do comes back to you, law of cause and effect, ensures the balance is perfect, detecting whatever you do, good and bad, it will resurrect. Death is not the end, it's just a bend. Whatever you've done, circle back again. The body may die, but your karma standing by, you'll be reborn to live and die, continue to suffer and cry. And I'm going to Florida also next week for another festival of colors to be the, one of the several rap artists and MC there as well. The way to counteract What's a natural tendency of fatigue and losing your passion is to always practice being yoked, practice being connected with God by chanting His holy names and reminding yourself that you're not this dark, dull, dead matter, your eternal spirit soul. Because if you identify with matter, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be tired. You're going to be weary. Because that's what matter is. It's dark. It's inert. It's in Why am I waving my arms? My arms don't wave. It's because of the spirit within my body that my arms are waving, that my mouth talks, that my eyes see. The eyes don't see, the ears don't hear. All of this is done by the eternal, imperishable, indefatigable spirit soul inside of you. And that soul is created by God. And it does not ever come to the end of its energies. The body cannot follow the soul. The soul uses up one body, discards it. And then it uses up another body and discards it. And uses up another body and discards it. Uses up another body and discards it. Krishna says to Arjuna, just as we take garments and we use them and then we discard the old and useless ones, similarly the soul accepts newer and newer material bodies only in order to use them up and eventually discard them. It's the body, it's matter, which is dull, dead, depressing, inert. So all you have to do to defeat depression is remember that you're not matter. You're spirit, part and parcel of God. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare.
In the opening, the Bhagavad Gita, now Arjuna was a self-realized soul. Arjuna was an eternal associate of Krishna, not an ordinary man. But he appeared to have been overwhelmed by matter. He had his friends and relatives and teachers opposing him on the battlefield. And that put him into a funk. That put him into a depression. He was thinking, this is my body, and these are my relatives, my friends, and my teachers. It was a formula for emasculation, for depression. Think of it, there's a great battle that's going to change the history of the world. They're about to embark upon it. Arjuna is the champion of light and truth and righteousness. And before the conch shell is blown, before the first war cry is sounded, before the first arrow is notched, he's already tired. That's not good. That's not good. Because he was relating to the body. He wasn't thinking of the soul. He even got so down and depressed. He said, rather than me killing my friends and my relatives, better they kill me unarmed and unresisting. He's actually so depressed that he's suicidal. He's saying death would be better than for me to kill my relatives and then live in luxury, enjoying the spoils of their blood. But what the backstory is that Arjuna is so close. He's so close to making his breakthrough, to transcending misidentification of the body and the fall in the order of the Lord. Krishna's basically message to Arjuna throughout the pages of the Bhagavad Gita is, Arjuna, shake off this weariness. Trust me. Put on a new attitude. I'm still in control. I still have you in a palm in my hand. Take heart, Arjuna. Remember who you are and whose you are and be refreshed. This was Arjuna had fought many battles, hundreds of battles, but this is the battle that made him immortal. This is the battle we talked about 5,000 years later in the ball place of Spanish War Quito. He was so close, and yet he was ready to throw in the towel and give up. We need to understand that God got you this far, he will get you the rest of the way. Just don't lose heart. Don't get weary. Don't pamper the body. When you feel weariness, it's time to dig in the heels and say, I've come too far to stop now. I heard it said somewhere, trying times are not the time to stop trying. <laughs> our weariness, our fatigue, our desperation, our despondency will pass as soon as we remember that God is in control. He would not have given me this task as daunting and as difficult as it is without also having given me the ability to accomplish it. So while I rest in trusting the Lord. I may be tired, I may be thirsty, but all we have to do are to drink the healing, eternal waters of His holy name and be refreshed. You're too close to your victory to give up now. You didn't come all this way not to push through to the end. Arjuna's problem initially was that he was looking at the problem instead of the possibility. A good example that you've heard a hundred times before, but I'll just mention it briefly, Edison. Thomas Edison, as you know, in finding tungsten, the element that worked for light bulb, 
He went through 999 elements that didn't work. Now, he could have become depressed 999 times, but he actually got excited. Every time an experiment failed, he got more excited to continue because he knew with every elimination, he got excited because he was getting closer to the one that worked. So he was more excited the more that he failed. Now imagine if he had quit at 999 and some other cherry picker came along and got it. He had done all the work, all the preparation, all the groundwork, but why should someone else get the credit for the discovery? When Arjuna backed off and had a moment of hesitation about doing his duty, Krishna called him an Aryajustam, called him a non-Aryan. What we learn from this is that Aryan is not a genetic code, it's not blue eyes and blonde hair, it's not a nationality, it's not an ethnicity. An Aryan is anyone from any culture, any time, in any background, who does not shirk from doing his or her duty. Whatever the inconvenience, however big the challenge, however impossible the dream, however many Goliaths stand in your way, an Aryan is one who pushes through to the end, trusting that God will get him to where he needs to go. Does not give in to weariness, though the temptation may be there to make decisions based on what we feel, Aryans act on what they know to be true. So when an Aryan feels weariness coming on, instead of getting all down and depressed and being tempted to throw into the towel, they react by reminding themselves that Krishna or God is in control. Reminding that He has promised us strength for every battle, wisdom for every decision. Finally, Arjuna, the knowledge that Krishna poured into Arjuna took root. He said, Govinda Bita Nicha. Govinda is another name for Krishna. Bita means fear, confusion, depression, hesitation. He said, Govinda Bita Nicha. I have only to say, Govinda, 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 and fear, depression, hesitation, doubt all go away. Just like you walk into a dark room, turn on the light, and immediately all ghosts, all spirits, all depression immediately goes away. So Arjuna said, I have only to remember that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He will get me through that what he started, he will finish. So much for depression. So much for hesitancy. Now here's a key. The more you talk about how tired you are, the more tired you're going to become. <laughs> you're just adding fuel to the fire. Don't talk about the way you are. Talk about the way you want to be. Have faith, victory, positively. Have a vision out in front of you. Have the right words coming out of your mouth. There's nothing wrong. It's entirely natural to get weary, to get tired. In fact, here's a thought. If in the pursuit of your dreams, you never come to a point where you feel like giving up, and I tell you, it means your dreams are too small. If you never feel like quitting, then you need to get some bigger goals. <laughs> Our message today is to focus not on matter. Focus not on the scene, 
but on the unseen. We see these bodies, and yet they're temporary. They're like dust. Remember Kansas? Dust in the wind. From dust you come to dust you go. Was not spoken of the soul. This body, like a set of clothes, wears out and gets disposed. A flame of light and love gives life to a machine. A candle never stops. Subtle, sublime, unseen. For the soul, there's no beginning. Ending, there's none. Small in the atom, brighter than the sun. And yet you can't see it. So you have to focus on that which you cannot see, not on that which you are seeing. Focus on not the limited, not the temporary, but the unlimited and the eternal. Why? Because matter will drag you down. On the other hand, spirit will lift you up and refresh you. Now, limited eyes can only see limited matter, and that's why we suggest we spiritualize our senses, starting with our tongue and our ears, and followed in short order with our eyes, our nose, and our tactile sense by chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. While we're waiting for our dreams to come true, while we're waiting for that tragic jam to break up, while we're waiting for the finish line of the race to appear within our vision, we need to praise. Thank you, Lord, you are bigger than any obstacle. Thank you, Lord, you will renew my strength. In the meantime, honor him by chanting clearly, attentively, practice, 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 learn to be deeply absorbed in God through his holy names and allow himself to refresh you. Let God and let go. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Why Hare? Why not just Krishna, Krishna, Krishna? Because Hare is the feminine, and everybody knows women. The feminine are the they're the source of inspiration. The term for the feminine is Shakti. The multinational companies, if they get two people equally qualified, equally educated, with the same resume and portfolio that apply to the same job, if one is single and one is married, they will always take the one which is married. Because of the presence of the Shakti, the feminine, the married men are more consistent, they're more inspired, they're more regular, they're more responsible, they're more to be relied upon as a general rule. So we don't just chant Krishna, we chant Hare Krishna. We access the energy of inspiration, the energy that the feminine has to offer. Now, sometimes it just seems to be dragging on and on and on and on and on. I heard about a lady. She raised her kids. She was so looking forward. She marked off the days when the kids would all move out of the house and she'd been empty nester. She'd be able to do all the things that she wanted to do before she had her first children many, many years ago. And then she finally found out that one of her daughters was no longer able to raise the grandchild. And she learned in the autumnal years of her life that she had to raise a young grandchild. She said to herself, I can't do this. Not another 15 years. I don't have the strength. Here's the key. Don't look 15 years down the road. If you look all that way into the future, yes, you'll be overwhelmed. The key is take it one day at a time. No, you don't have the strength to go another 15 years, but you do have the strength to do it tomorrow. Krishna doesn't give you the strength for 15 years now 
He gives you the strength now, for now, and when tomorrow comes, He'll give you the strength for tomorrow, and you just take it one step at a time. No, you can't raise that child for another 15 years, so don't go there, but you can raise that child tomorrow. And God will give you the strength to do that. And then when tomorrow's done and you need the strength for the next day, He will give you the strength then. Krishna's not asking you to raise the child for 15 years. He's asking you, will you do it today? Will you take hold of my strength today? Will you not give up today? Will you thank me today? Will you pass the test, be an area, and do it today? And when you get to tomorrow, my promise to you is, my strength will be there. Worrying about your future is only going to do one thing, drain you. Drain your passion, drain your energy, steal your victory. Instead of worrying, get up every morning and say, Lord, I can do this one more day. I don't know if I can do it for 15 years, but I can do it for the next 24 hours. Finishing up here, one last story. Book in a movie that I broke, his name is Louis Zamperini. As a kid, he was undersized, got into trouble. Born in New York, his parents moved to Torrance, California. His brother suggested one day that why don't you find an outlet for all this pent-up passion in running. He started running, found he was very good at it. As a high school student, he went to the Olympics in 1936. As a high school student, here he is standing with two college students from the University of Indiana, and he's still in Torrance High School. He went to Europe in 1936. Everybody knows about the famous 1936 Olympics in Nazi Germany. Now the problem was that they took a boat over to Europe. It was a six-week cruise. Louis Zamperini had never seen food like was available on the buffet at the boat. So he gained about eight pounds on the trip over, didn't get much chance to exercise, and so when the gun went off for the Olympic, he was overweight and out of shape. He came in fourth by doing the fastest last lap in the mile in the history of the Olympics up to that time. Everybody was sure that in the 1940 Olympics, he would take the gold. Well, that never happened. Joined the services, World War II broke out. On a bombing mission, his plane was shot down. He was plunged deep under the water. He didn't know which way was up and down. At that time, he prayed to God, God, if you get me out of this, I will dedicate my life to you. Miraculously, he surfaced. He was adrift for 90 days. Nobody had ever been adrift on the Pacific Ocean for more than 45 days consecutively. He was adrift for twice the period of time. And when they were rescued, wouldn't you know, they were rescued by the Japanese and placed in the worst prison camp in the Pacific Islands. And not only within the worst prison camp with the highest rate of fatalities, but one particular guard there, whom the prisoners called the bird, had it in for Lewis, particularly. He didn't like Lewis's attitude. He went out of his way to try to persecute, to make Lewis's life miserable, to cause Lewis's demise. At one point, he had 50 of the strongest Westerners from Australia and England come up. And remember, Lewis is just a little guy, maybe 130 pounds, and he had every man hit Lewis as hard as he could right in the face. And if one of them didn't hit Lewis as hard as he could right in the face, then he would punish that man by having that man be hit 50 times in the face. In the meantime, 
as you can see from this newspaper article, he was reported missing in action and presumed dead. The word to his family and friends and associates for three years, he was regarded as dead. Later on, he said, if I had known then what I know now, how severe it would be, I would have just killed myself. But it is God's grace often that we don't know how long the trial and the test will last. So that we can take it one day at a time. If Louis had known this would go on for three years, he wouldn't have lasted. So God did not let him know it would go on for three years. God just took him one day at a time. Eventually he was saved, he was brought back, he became a celebrity. But every night, as soon as he closed his eyes, the bird would appear before his dreams inflicting upon him over and over and over again diabolical tortures. He couldn't cope with it. He took to drinking, gambling, lost all of his money. His wife was at the very point of divorcing him. She couldn't take it anymore. And she said, I'll give you one more chance. Come with me to the Billy Graham Crusade, which is happening right here in Los Angeles. He went to the Billy Graham Crusade. He sang the hymns. He listened to the message. He drank from the living waters, came home, poured all his liquor down the drain, and later on he said that from that night on, I never again saw the bird in any of my dreams. I never again had to touch a drop of alcohol. I had taken the living waters, I had reconnected in yoga, from knowing that God is on the throne and that he has set an end to every difficulty. Even in the middle of my trials and tribulations, of being shot down, of being adrift on the sea, of being tortured, there was a date of ending. There was a date of redemption, a date of renewal, a date of refreshment, an end date to whatever faces you, an end date to the addiction, an end date to the sickness, an end date to the loneliness. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Finishing up here, when you're in a difficult season and you feel weariness creeping in and you're starting to think, it's not worth it. I've got so far to go. Still, remind yourself, you're not always going to be lonely. You're not always going to be sick. You're not always going to be in a debt. You're not always going to be addicted. This is not going to plague me my entire life. There has been an end date set. There's a date of freedom. There's a day of victory in my future. All I have to do is my part. Keep standing, keep believing, keep expecting, and not get weary until I see the end come to pass. It's really just a question of whether you think of yourself as a fainter or a fighter, a weakling or a warrior, a victor or a victim. In any case, not to go around feeling weak and defeated, Oh, I can't take it anymore. Hey, if you couldn't take it, Krishna would not have allowed it in the first place. Try this. Instead of complaining, affirm, I can handle this. This child may be difficult, but I can handle this. This boss is hard to get along. He gets on my nerves, but I can handle this. I'm getting older. Things aren't working anymore. Now I know what the bladder is. When I was 30 years old, I didn't even know I had a but I can handle this. <laughs> One poet said, Long did I toil and knew no earthly rest. Far did I roam, found no certain home. 
Till at last I sought them in his sheltering breast who opens his arms and bids the weary come. With him I found a home, a rest divine, and I since them am his, and he is mine. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Our spiritual master came to this country as an old man with a huge mission to establish Krishna consciousness in the western country. He had no money, he did not have good health, he had two heart attacks on the way over, he had no friends, he had no place to stay. How did he succeed? One day at a time. He said, Krishna would have not sent me here if he had not equipped me for success. So let's follow in his footsteps. The founder of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, Swami Prabhupada, put our shoulders back, look those obstacles in the eye and say, you're no match for me. Cancer, you're no match for me. Cranky co-worker, you're no match for me. Depression, addiction, you're no match for me. Why? Because I know the end has been set. It's only a matter of time before things turn around. On the other side of this difficulty, at the end of the tunnel, is the light, is victory, is promotion. God is a rewarder. He pays very good. I am on the verge of stepping into a whole new level of favor. Yes, I'm tired. The race was more difficult. It took longer than I expected. But this is the very time that when depression and weariness threatens to settle in, to weigh you down, the very time to dig your heels on and keep pressing forward, keep being good to people, keep hoping, keep stretching, growing. When you face the greatest pressure, that's when you're closest to your victory. Right, ladies? Right, mothers? When you face the greatest pressure, that's when you're about to give birth to your miracle. Every mother in the room knows the inalterable truth of that. So don't get weary. Know that you're close to your victory. When you face adversity, when the pressure's been turned up, you can either let Krishna see your discouragement or you can seize that moment to let Krishna see your faith. You can say, it's not fair. I came all this way. I did everything I was supposed to do, but it didn't work out. Or you can say, I can handle this. I am well able. That difficulty means that I am close to my victory. Your greatest test will come when you're tired, when it took longer than you expected. You're at the house, but you can't get it. You've come too far to stop now. You won too many battles to let this one defeat you. Not gonna let a temporary feeling cause me to miss out on a permanent blessing. Keep moving forward, keep growing, keep stretching, keep being good to people. Your second wind will kick in and you'll feel a determination like you've never felt before. Get this down in your spirit. Whatever comes against you in life, you and Krishna can handle it. He's already equipped you full of can-do power. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Just keep reminding yourself the greater the intensity, the closer you are to your victory. Keep reminding yourself that the end has already been set. When you feel tired, keep reminding yourself to wait expectantly upon the Lord. Keep reminding yourself to thank Him for turning things around in ways that you may not be able to see right now. If you do this, your strength will be renewed and you are going to soar as on the wings of an eagle in this life and next life. You are going to go back to home, back to God. 
any of that sounds good to you? Raise your hands along with me and say it together. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, 